things we're dealing with are threats to humanity unlike anything the world has ever seen before. We can bequeath our children a greener planet and a more prosperous future. That's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 5, Just Stop the Tories. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. I tell you what, Dale, it's almost as if this episode was written by Rishi Sunak. <laughs> and I was thinking when you just read out the title there, Just Stop the Tories, first I thought you were going to say oil because that's what we're used to. But then when you said it, I thought it's almost prescient we named this series Just Stop the Tories because look what Rishi Sunak went and did yesterday. It just shows, again, there's just no no depth they won't go to in order to save their own skins because this is about getting a toehold in the election. They don't care about the climate. They don't care about economics. They don't care cost of living crisis or anything. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, listen, well, I mean, I, I've got to tell you, Dale, you are wrong on everything. Um, and the reason I know this is because Rishi Sunak told us so. Because he said, <laughs> he said, I mean, let's give the boy a chance here. He said that I'm not ditching the overarching 2050 target. So piss off. There's nothing to worry about. He didn't use those words. It wouldn't be very no. prime ministerial. He's keeping net zero and the time frame remains the same. He's just changed a few bits. Uh, yeah, he's just wound back a few tasks and he thinks it won't make much difference. But look, we, we're going to miss our target by fourfold. For me, though, the thing that he said that was the most galling is that and he claims to be doing the opposite of what he is doing. In this case, he said, this isn't about short-termism. This is about thinking for the long term and taking the difficult decisions. And actually, the difficult decisions have already been made by Johnson, funnily enough. And he's undoing them. He's making the easy decisions to make himself popular with the public. Do you think, when you say they're going to miss that, are you talking about the 2050 target they're going to miss? Yeah, net zero by 2050. We won't hit it, no doubt. One of the main headlines on all of this was the 2030 date of not being able to sell new diesel and petrol cars moved to 2035. One of his arguments is this is just in line with the rest of the EU. Germany, France uh, pretty much have the same target. That's true. I mean, that's what they said. And, and that is true. But it's not a good reason to do it, is it? You know, this is a government that likes to claim to be world leading on this, that and the other. We just gave that up in a heartbeat for no good reason. His other reason for doing this was to help out hard-pressed people with the cost of living, you know, people that are struggling, people on low income, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact is, 80% of all car sales every year are in hand, and people on low incomes are not running around buying new cars, right? I mean, that just doesn't happen. So this isn't going to help anybody that's struggling with the cost of living. But by 2030, the industry expects price parity for the purchase price. So it'll be a no-brainer on that day anyway. Who would buy a fossil-powered car? Nobody wins. But we're all impoverished off the back of that. It's a little bit like Brexit rerun. All of the arguments were bogus. The promises were false. They, they won the day, and then we all suffered. Do you, I mean, one of the arguments that, uh, again, one of the many arguments is that, you know, this is uh, Rishi Sunak speaking on behalf of sensible people and good business. And I noticed first out of the traps was that pack of mischievous Marxists, the Ford Motor Company, who said, <laughs> mate, you're a f dickhead. <laughs> to be fair, she didn't use those words, but the, yeah. the, the point was, hang on, you know, th this is... 
This is business. This is big business. This is hardly an insignificant outfit. The Ford Motor Company, arguably one of the biggest companies on the planet, saying, you told us to get ready for 2030, and now you've just changed it. That's what's I mean, right. Business, spent- you, know, you know this. Business needs stability. It needs direction, and it doesn't need a constant change. Ford are very unhappy. All of the big motor manufacturers are unhappy. The RAC waded in and said it was wrong. He has upset business. He's obviously upset environmentalists. He's upset a lot of people at the party at the same time. And I have to say that I'm so disappointed that at a time when we need to come together, he wants to divide us from he's doing it with dishonesty. Another pack of mad left-wing socialists I spoke to was the International Chamber of Commerce. They said, he's a Again, not in those same words, but they were also uh, absolutely gobsmacked at this. Yeah, and I, I, I don't I, think, and I, I did speak to one Tory MP, Dale, and I said, do you think, is it possible that Downing Street didn't quite think this through? Because this kind of even scuff, you know, Tory voters are also against this. Mm. Tory MPs are against this. And when business is against it, you'd think that the Conservative Party would go, oh, shit, we've, we've messed up here. You know, I think it's a sign of how desperate they are. They're desperately losing in the polls. They're, they're trying to get a toehold in the election. And it's a horribly cynical, selfish, desperate thing of them to do. Even Al Gore waited in yesterday, didn't he? I saw him being doorstep as he walked down the road. <laughs> he didn't want to be overly critical, but he couldn't help himself. I love the idea of doorstepping Al Gore. That's just... <laughs> I do. <laughs> if you're going to doorstep someone, go big, right? He's a big lad as well, Al. So. Yeah. yeah. My overall impression of this is like uh, Rishi Sunak is like the Wizard of Oz, right? He's is a fairly small man hiding behind a fairly big screen. He thinks we can't see him or what he's up to. He's trying to distract us with cheap magic tricks, his smoke and mirrors. He thinks us fools or something. And the real substance uh, behind the screen is uh, is a manning to probably net zero, actually, funnily enough. But there were like five things he said he was going to save us from that don't even exist. Oh, yeah. Positive. I was can I mention that to you, Dale? Can I mention yeah. that? Because you and I, you know, we were worried that we wouldn't be able to do that car sharing thing that we, <laughs> we right. planned to do because we and were the seven, seven bins. That's the, I was we looking were, forward to the seven bins, man. We were going to be taxed out of our pants. So, but now we can do it. So, hey, well done, Rishi. We can go car sharing again like we do at the weekends. They weren't policies, a meat tax, right? I mean, where's that coming from? A dairy tax, a flight tax. Boris Johnson, when he used to bang on about the EU and their crazy rules around straight bananas and stuff like that, he just made stuff up. And Rishi Sunak's doing the same thing. He's painting this picture of the green economy and the move to net zero and stuff. um, And he's making stuff up and saying, I'm going to save you from this. Wow. Yeah. So business attacked him. Tory MPs attacked him. Tory voters attacked him. And a former Tory prime minister attacked him. It's been a shit week for Rishi Sunak, right? Yeah, it's fabulous. And you know what? It comes to something when you or I might agree with Boris Johnson. I had to check myself. Yeah. And what a curious time. But let's give us a flavor here, really, to sort of encapsulate things, Dale, about the seriousness of what we're actually talking about. Because, you know, we can have some fun and some pops at, at, at the Prime Minister and stuff and, and talk about the curious gear change that he that he did this week. But behind all of this are headlines such as almost everyone in Europe is breathing toxic air. That fundamentally is what this is all about. Yeah. As I said on the radio uh, this morning, how about people's right to breathe fresh air? He, he was complaining to me, you know, the ULEZ is making it more expensive. I've been to cities. I'm like, yes, but how about the right of people to, to breathe clean air? Because there are 40,000 deaths a year in our country from carbon. You know, 98% of Europeans 
are breathing highly damaging polluted air uh, with this PM5, which is a small particle linked mainly to diesel, but petrol as well. And they're saying that people in the worst areas have billions of these particles in their organs. It gets into your blood and it's a terrible thing that's happening. And it's all linked to to the right of, you know, on the one hand, one person's right to drive a gas guzzler and then his right to breathe clean air. And in terms of Again, it's not a race to the bottom, this, but just to bring back up the fact that, you know, there are, I don't even think the EU have a specific, certainly as a collective, they haven't said, right, this is our policy on banning new petrol and diesel cars, but different countries have. Germany and France, I mentioned the 2035 thing there as well. So they should also stand in the dock on this, Dale. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Europe has targets for air quality. The levels measured in Europe are four times the World Health Organization gold standard. Also this week, Germany passed the 50% green electricity on the grid mark, which is, which is nice. You know, stuff is happening. But car pollution is just overlooked in this entire debate. It's all about climate and money. But what about the right to clean air? Well, and of course, there are other areas of pollution as, as well, because there is a, a danger. I heard somebody speaking this week saying, yes, we've got to address the issues around cars. But what we don't want, we don't want to let industry get away going, ha-ha, they've all got the eyes on the cars. We can smoke the f*** out the planet. Nobody's watching. There are other areas, too, that have got to catch up. Yeah, there are. But I think if you look at the big drivers of carbon emissions and the climate crisis, then transport emissions are one of the top three. So, you know, energy, transport, food, it's the big, it's the big three. 80% of all of our problems are in there. What's your message for Rishi Sunak? <laughs> off. No, call an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> this man is unelected. And what he's just done is reverse the manifesto of a prime minister that was elected, Boris Johnson. And look, I don't like him, but at least he was elected. And Sunak is just reversing it. And he announced it after Parliament had closed. He's so undemocratic, it's incredible. He should call an election, but he won't. Should we do some questions? This from Tim Lodge. What are Dale's thoughts on the ongoing warring of factions on the left? Uh, why can't we pull together? Yeah, I mean, every party has these divides, right? I mean, there are, you know, some people in the uh, Labour Party who are agitating for what you're agitating for and are slightly disappointed that Keir Starmer isn't going as far as you'd like to. I mean, I don't know whether Tom's question is pertinent to that specifically, but that's an example. Yes, and and I think it's a good point. I hadn't thought about it like this because... A friend of mine about this as being like circular firing squad, which kind of seems to sum it up well. But of course, it does happen in the Tory party as well. I mean, they're being like ferrets in a sack for more than 10 years, you know, probably 20 years. Yeah. So maybe political parties are just like that. That's just how it is. Got it. Dom and Andrew say, I quite like that two people are asking. I don't know whether they, <laughs> it could be two different people completely who just happen to coincidentally ask exactly the same questions using exactly the same words. Or it could be two mates who just decided to put both of their names on the tweet who says how do we best coordinate tactical voting there's been a lot about this carol vorderman um that the woman that used to do the countdown show you'll be familiar i know you don't do pop culture dale but you'll be familiar with countdown right uh i i think i've heard of it yeah I'm that's a yeah. channel who's been going like 190 years or something <laughs> um, and she used to be on it and she I, I think she used to be a tory and she's become very very animated about yes. getting the tories out and, and and tactical voting and you know do everything you can look at every individual seat she says you know vote this way here vote that way there that's her mm -hmm. kind of message mm -hmm. is that the yeah. i think that's the sort of thing that dom and andrew are asking yeah and i i think 
increasingly happens in elections. And, and quite often you find something online that, you know, break down the situation in every constituency. And the idea is to steer people to tactical voting. So uh, we're about to start something new. I won't tell you the name of it, but I'll tell you the aim of it. And uh, it's about the the greenness or not greenness of the of the two main parties, because the Tories have made this super difficult now. And nearly three million young people are able to vote at this election. And we're going to launch it in a couple of weeks. We look forward to that. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the podcast. Uh, this comes from Molly, who says, uh, can I thank Dom and Andrew for their great question? No, she doesn't say that. <laughs> Molly says, uh, when Forest Green went vegan, was there much pushback from fans and how was it dealt with? That's a great question. Oh, and, and it's it's one I've answered before, so this will be an easy one. Um, there wasn't that much pushback. There was a small contingent of, let's say, very angry fans. And then there were, you know, there was, there was a blend of opinion, people that were relaxed about it, people that are curious and people that are angry. The thing that we most vehemently at the time was that it would kill the club because nobody would come and watch a game. And if they did, they wouldn't eat anything and that kind of stuff. We tackled it by just doing it, which is our way. And then we make great food, which in, in, in football, comparatively, it's not difficult because the food bar is like you know, on the floor or subterranean. And we made great burgers and, and stuff like that. People came. They loved the food. This is 10 years ago, by the way. And then we've got four times as many people coming to a game and we're selling eight to 10 times more food. Wow. And so, you know, we, we kind of shattered the, uh, the, let's say, the illusions or the fears of, of those people back in the day. I think there's a lot of exactly that doubt and fear and myths in, in the in the kind of vegan uh, arena. And, and I think the title doesn't help. We need a new name. But, we need a new name. Yeah. So no, it's another one of those Blue Peter competitions uh, ready to happen. <laughs> yeah. Name and, the and we, pie. Yeah, and we found that in our experience. You know, if we, we, what we don't do at Forest Green is something like a black bean lasagna. For example, we won't call it a vegan lasagna. We don't name it for what's not in it. We name it for what is in it. Got so it. we'll call it a black bean lasagna. And the people don't put up the shutters. And we see that. And now when uh, people from other football clubs come to visit us, they're like, oh, that's vegan. I'm not sure about that. It's like, well, if, if, you, if, you, don't, if you don't have that label, you don't have that problem. Final one from Ang Harrod, who says, uh, what about domestic wind turbines? Do they make economic sense for middle-income families? So that's having your own windmill in your house, right? <laughs> We're not in it. But <laughs> well, yeah, that would be Not only would that be really weird, it would be counter... I, I mean, I'm not big on windmills. I've got a funny feeling that the entire purpose might fall flat <laughs> it if might, it's it just might. sort of sitting there in the downstairs loo. Right. Depends on how drafty your house is, right? Well, yeah, well, maybe there's something work. That. Maybe that. But look... I mean, essentially, yes is the answer. Um, small windmills, they do make sense. It's very difficult to install one at the moment. But um, hopefully, we'll all pull together and let Tories out, and then all of this can change. And that is it for this episode. Man alive, though, there was a shitload of stuff in there, wasn't there? <laughs> I'm <Shit>. exhausted. <laughs> I'm not so you need to have a lay down. <laughs> I do. And a black bean lasagna. That's my, uh, my medical diagnosis here. I'm liking it. We'll speak next week, Dale. Yeah, fab. See, See you then. then. And that's it for this episode. Don't forget to follow this podcast from your podcast provider so you get each new episode automatically. Leave a review there too. That's really important. And follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash dalevince, facebook.com slash dalevince. Zero carbon. East off.